This morning, we are wrapping up our three-week sermon series called R&R. I have to tell you, I'm a little sad about it. I've enjoyed this one, and I hope that you have too. In this series, we have been talking about how rest and play might allow us to be recreated by God. Week one, we began with a passage from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. It is where Jesus invites us to come away with him to keep company with him, to learn from him how to really rest in our lives. We talked about how rest can be salvific. It can save us. It can save our relationships. That rest can help us to recover our lives from busyness and stress. That rest allows us to put everything in our world back into holy perspective, back into its proper place. We also began to talk about rest in seven forms as, it, as they're defined by Dr. Sandra Dalton-Smith in a book that she wrote called Sacred Rest. And so we began with spiritual rest that she says is the opportunity to see God in everything around us and to recline in the knowledge of the holy. Last week, we looked at a story about Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19, and we focused on physical, mental, emotional, and social rest. We learned that when we have had enough, we need to go back to the basics. We cannot underestimate the power of eating well, drinking water, or having a good night of sleep. Those things restore us to wellness. We talked about that when we realize we are in relationships that exhaust us, versus revive us, we have to consider what toxic situations we are allowing in our lives. We have to work to alleviate our people-pleasing tendencies. We also learned that when we need mental rest, we have to find a way to quiet our minds and listen for the voice of God in the sound of sheer silence. As I thought more about our First Kings story this week, I remembered this acronym that you maybe have heard called HALT. It is something that we teach to our kids. It means if you are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, you need to HALT. You need to stop and take care of yourself before doing anything else. Today we are going to cover the final two uh, pieces of rest as she defines them, sensory and creative. And like last week, I've included these definitions in your bulletin. So if you want to pull it out, some people are, it's just easier to follow along. You'll see at the end of the, uh, under the sermon notes, you'll see these two rest categories as they're defined. Sensory rest is the opportunity to downgrade the endless onslaught of sensory input received from electronics, fragrances, and background noise. Creative rest is the experience of allowing beauty to inspire awe and liberate wonder. In Psalm 19, I saw an invitation to both of these types of rest, that when we put down our electronics and we look up, we experience the beauty of creation that surrounds us. When we give our minds a mental break, 
When we remove ourselves from the onslaught of life, we are able to step back and think creatively and allow beauty to inspire awe and liberate wonder in us yet again. This week I was reading an, an article from Forbes magazine. It said that the average adult spends 13 to 17 hours on a screen a day. Now that sounds like a lot, but if you think about it, let's say you have an eight hour work day and you spend that time on a screen, but before work, you roll over in your bed and you pick up your phone and you begin to scroll, sometimes mindlessly. After work, you watch TV or play virtual games or scroll through social media. And even if you don't work in the sense of getting up and going to work anymore, you know how easy it is to get stuck in front of the TV or in front of Facebook or Instagram. I've also noticed that there are times that we impulsively, unconsciously, pick up our phones and click certain apps. Like I've noticed even on my Sabbath days when I'm trying to remove myself from those things, if I pick up my phone, I automatically just go to my email and then I find myself saying, no, don't check it. I also read that the average adult today consumes five times more information than our counterparts 50 years ago. So it isn't just about looking at the screen, but it's about all that we are absorbing and digesting. It's about how quickly our brains jump from one piece of information to the next piece of information. And sometimes that compulsive consumption happens without us really thinking about what we have just read, right? Instead of thinking critically, we accept what we see and what we read as fact. Another way to say this is that almost every day we are experiencing a sensory overload. And so this is why the call to sensory rest is so crucial. This past week I've been noticing what my three-year-old son Lewis pays attention to. When we have been sitting around the dinner table, we notice that he's staring out the sliver of the window. Now, the staring can sometimes be like a trance, like we'll be like, Lewis, Lewis, and he doesn't even look at us. So we're like, hey, buddy, are there spirits talking to you out there? <laughs> but he's like, I see the sun and the trees. And sometimes he says he sees a rainbow <laughs> in the morning when we get ready for school, when we walk down the front steps, he's paying attention to what's in front of him. He says, look at all the purple flowers, mommy. This Tuesday, the kids in his class all went on a nature walk around the church building. The teacher sent a video of all the kids and she asked each one to say what they noticed. So one kid said, I saw trees, and another said leaves, and Lewis said he saw a bunny. <laughs> The kid's been looking out the window for the Easter bunny for the last week, so I don't know what kind of bunny he's talking about. But then these two kids said, we saw snakes. So watch out for the snakes outside. <laughs> but that day when I picked him up from school, he ran over to his cubby. He was excited. He was digging for something. I thought that he was trying to collect his sheets like we do on Fridays. I was like, hey, buddy, it's not Friday. But he emerged with this green leaf in his hand. And he was so excited about this green leaf. He said, mommy, this leaf is for you. The next day, as we drove to school, we rolled down the windows and we talked about all the things we saw. 
the rocks, the white flowers, these red flowers that bloom outside of church by our house that I have never noticed on our drive to church. But then I also noticed as we got closer to school, he started to realize that he, would, he had yet to watch Mickey Mouse on my phone like he does some mornings. And he started to cry and scream because he wanted to see Mickey Mouse. And I think that that is where we exist. Somewhere in that tension, somewhere in that push and pull, where our senses in this culture are either captivated by the screens or captivated by the real life that is happening right in front of us, front of us, we almost have to fight back against our tendency to give ourselves over to screens, to TVs, to computers, to social media. Now, I am not a screen hater. Technology has improved our lives and increased our knowledge tremendously. It's fun. But the spiritual life, in the spiritual life, we are called to be alert to the goodness that surrounds us. Like Psalm 19 says, there is knowledge and wisdom to be found in God's creation. I wanna invite you to close your eyes and listen to this Psalm again. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. It almost sounds like a contradiction that they pour forth speech but use no words and no sound is heard from them. But we know what the psalmist means. We know it because we feel like something is being said when we listen to a jazz number without lyrics, or we watch the sunrise from a high mountain, or we take in the feelings that are elicited in our bodies when we gaze at a magnificent piece of artwork. We know it because we can sit in a room with our family members and be in one another's presence and still love bursts through the space. I think that we have to practice engaging our senses apart from technology. What do you see and smell and taste and hear and touch? Not just in creation, but in every aspect of your life. I told you I watched my son, but I also practiced this myself this week. And I felt the warmth of him as he sat in my lap and reclined on my chest in the knowledge that he was safe. I sat in awe of the beauty and the smell of flowers that friends from college sent to me this week. I even took the time that I wouldn't have taken before to rotate the vase and look at it from different angles. I savored and noticed the taste of food that my husband has been preparing almost every single night and cleaning up. See, this week, I want us to rotate the vase of our life and view it from different angles. I want us to experience a different kind of sensory overload, one that pulls us closer to our creator and to one another and to this abundant life that we are called to savor. I think when we allow ourselves to do this, this is what grants us creative rest. It's what calls us back to our creative selves 
We experience beauty that inspires awe and liberates wonder. Is that not a beautiful phrase? We are pulled out of our linear day-to-day -day monotonous work and we're given the chance to fly high in the sky above our lives and observe them. This 30,000 foot view allows us to dream and wonder and get back in touch with ourselves. I've told you that this well-being class that I took inspired this series and in it, we watched this TED talk by a woman named Pam Grout. The talk was called, Why Everybody, Not Just Artists, Need to Practice Creativity. She challenged the audience to each think about themselves as creative people, as artists. She argued that we have moved away from our creative sides because we have decided that some people are creative and some people are not. Or that if you're in a, a certain profession or box, if you're a financial planner, you can't also be an artist. But the truth is, she says, that each one of us is creative. She used this phrase that I really like called artistic blessing. She said each one of us has something creative to bless the world with. And I think that means that we do not have to think of ourselves as masters of a trade to enjoy them or express ourselves within them. Sometimes we think if we are not told that we are good at something, or if we do not rise to a certain level of achievement within a hobby, then it isn't worth our times, that we can't call ourselves a singer or a writer or a painter. But the truth is we can do things just because they're fun. <laughs> we don't have to produce something magnificent and we do not have to be the best. However, the best is defined and by whom. So I wanna ask you to think about your life. Where have you dabbled with different expressions of creativity? In looking back at my own life, I thought about in high school and college, I loved to do black and white photography. I took a stained glass class and made this little piece that sits on my bedside table. I've taken a travel writing class. When I was a preteen, I played the drums. In my early and mid-20s, I played guitar. In divinity school, I took a cardio dance class every Tuesday. Why? Because I love to dance. And so I think the invitation to creative rest is also an invitation to not take yourself so seriously. Do something because you enjoy it because it's different, because playing is fun. Or as I read in a Richard Rohr message this week, we become life-affirming rather than controlled and constricted. We can discover that life is not always grim and serious, that happiness is a legitimate response to existence. We can be so sucked into what is stressful or hard or what needs to get done in our day that we forget to have fun and enjoy it and allow ourselves to experience happiness throughout it. So this week I also wanna ask, where can you find and cultivate pure happiness in your life? As we bring this series to a close, I chose this sermon response song because overall I feel it encompasses what God is saying to us. We need to look up and not miss life. And when we do look up, 
We find rest apart from what distracts us. We remember that God is in control, that God will give us wisdom and insight on what we need to do next. Because it is so easy to feel darkness that surrounds us. It's easy to feel like the world is crumbling when you watch the news. Like Elijah, we have felt at the end of our rope that we've had enough, and we can't sense God in the fire or the earthquake or the winds of life. It is easy to doubt ourselves and to doubt our decisions. At times, we don't know how to figure out what is next. But this is God's overall invitation to get away with him, to step out into creation when we feel the walls of our house or our office are closing in on us and look up, look up from everything that is hard, look up to the expanse in the sky that speaks of God's presence and knowledge, look up from technology that sucks your soul dry, look up and see that God is bigger than anything you face that rest and play lead you to enjoying life, and that a healthy, balanced life that affords you spiritual, physical, mental, emotional, social, sensory, and creative rest is what God intended for you all along. Thanks be to God for the invitation to a life like that. Amen.